Welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Just give you a quick introduction. I ain't Buck. I'm AJ, and I have the pleasure of serving as the youth pastor here at Connection Church. And I'm that weird guy that my wife buys all my clothes, so if the skinny jeans is not my liking, that's something that my wife picks out for me. I don't like to spend money, so I just put on what she gives me. So, and if you know me from the parking lot, I take my greeting very seriously. I'm the guy that will take it a challenge if you try not to shake my hand. Now, I did play football for the great Georgia Southern University, so I like to think I can still tackle somebody if I have to. I don't want to go to that extreme, so if I try to shake your hand, please shake my hand. Don't challenge me, all right? And what I love about this church is, is that our mission is simple. We believe that everything we do is, is, is involved in connecting people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And over the last seven weeks, we've been in our series called Greater Story, where we're going along with the Jesus Storybook Bible, and we're focusing on the sections that will give you a sense of the greater story that God has been writing. So like I said, we've been walking along beside you guys in youth and also even in our Connection, student, our connection Kids ministry as well. We're doing the exact same plan throughout this whole church. And I've been preaching for a few weeks that these are real stories written by a real author pointing to a real Savior. And if Jesus is the Word and the Bible is the Word of God, then who will the Bible reveal? It's going to reveal Jesus. And one thing I love about the Bible is, is that Jesus is the key that unlocks the whole Bible. And what I love most is that God uses people, not programs, to carry out his purposes. Hear me again. God uses people, not programs, to carry out his purposes. So just a quick recap before we dive into today's sermon. Last week we saw four things. We saw one. We saw Abraham was made right with God, and that was by his faith. Two, we saw that Abraham's faith led to obedience. Three, we saw his faith meant waiting on God's promises. We knew that this man was old, right? And when God gave him that, 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 that promise that he was going to have a child, he was 90-something years old. And 25 years would pass before he would actually have baby Isaac, right? So he rested on God's promises. And, and last thing we saw, verse number four, and as a result of his faith and obedience, he received God's blessing. And what I want to understand to you, church, is that God selected Abraham to get a blessing, but not only just get a blessing, but be a blessing to the world. So that leads me to my main point, of to my main focus for today's sermon will be, when you step into the unknown, trust in God's promises. When you step into the unknown, trust in God's promises. Leads me to point number one, expect tests from God. If you're a Christian in here and you believe in God and you're walking out your faith, you can expect tests from God. Verse 1 says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, who you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. So just to give you a little context, many of you guys know I'm a deputy, right? And one thing I do, I am a school resource officer at West Lawrence Middle School. And I don't know what's been in the water these past few weeks, but my kids have been going nuts at school. I don't know if it's hot outside or it's because of the end of the school year, but they have absolutely been losing their mind just doing immature, stupid stuff, right? And one of the things that came up this week, I had to investigate a student for some craziness that went on. So, you know, when they call me at my office to come deal with something with the school, AJ got to kick on investigator mode, right? So Deputy Wright got to get up out of his desk and we got to go and do some work. 
So I enter, and one thing I love about what I do is when I investigate, I don't do it the same way everybody else do it. I do it the way I like, that I've seen works best. So what I do, I call the students that seen it. I interview every one of them. I go check all the cameras. I go talk to the teachers. I do the whole nine yards. So what happens is when I actually get a chance to, to talk to that student, I already know what I'm asking for. I already know what I'm looking for. I'm just going to see if he's going to tell me the truth. I'm going to give him a test, right? So you see, I, when I talk to these guys, I give them this one little spiel, and I give everybody the same spiel. So if you ever hear me talking to you, I might know the truth. I might not. I'm just trying to play a mind game to get you to tell me what I want to know, right? So I give them this spiel. I say, everything I'm about to ask you, I already know the answer to, right? So as you sit in that chair, my daddy told me a long time ago that a man ain't nothing if he can't keep his word. So I'm expecting you to be honest with me and give me your word, right? So I'll ask, I want the truth. Help me help you. And depending on whether he gives me the truth or not, depends on whether he gets loving AJ that you all know or Deputy Wright. Now, Deputy Wright's not the one you want. Normally, I can keep Deputy Wright inside and don't have to blister these kids, but a lot of times, loving AJ comes out and they tell me what I want and I can begin to walk through situations with them. So that leads me to this right here. Why do we give tests? Because it reveals who we, who we truly or what we truly know. When you go to a school system and they give a standardized test, that test determines whether that student can go to the next grade level or not, right? And they show us where we are to God. These tests show us where we are spiritually and if God can truly trust us or not. In both the Old and New Testament, the word test means to prove by trial. So therefore, when God tests his children, his purpose is to prove that our faith is real. And it's not that God needs to prove it to himself since he knows all things, right? But he's proving to us and others that we are truly his children and that nothing will, no trial, no test, no anything that comes our way will overcome our faith. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles, and NIV says, trials of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You know, church, it's easy to trust God when things are going our way. It's easy to trust God when I can see the, the end outcome and that's what I want. But at the end of the day, does that really take any trust at all, right? Does that really take any trust at all? When things are stripped away, do you, would you still have faith in God, right? There are people overseas that literally sit on the floor for 12 or 13 hours listening to the Word of God. And we have in America where people sit in comfortable chairs in the air conditioner. And if we preach longer than 30 minutes to 45 minutes, they want to go home because we're going to make them late for their lunch, right? Do we truly trust God when that stuff is stripped away? When those tests come, will we lose faith or will we keep our faith rooted in the Word of God and the promises that He gave us in Scripture? But I want to take a time to address something because I know a lot of people have heard it just like I have. They be walking through sin and they're struggling with something and all of a sudden they say, God is tempting me. How many people have heard somebody say, God is tempting me? I know everybody raised their hand because I've heard it many a times, right? But how can God tempt you when He has no sin? He knows no sin. So God's not the one that's tempting us. That's our own sinful desires that's living within us because we're born into that sin, right? That sin is living within us. And church, we must understand the difference between trials and temptations, right? So temptations come for our sinful desires within us, as it states in James, while trials come from the Lord who has special purposes for us to fulfill. Temptations are used by the devil to bring out the worst in us. 
But trials are used by the Holy Spirit to bring out the best in us. James also tells us that the testing of our faith helps to mold us into the image of Christ. And I love that idea of what testing means in the book of James. And what he's referring to is the silversmiths back in the day used to take silver, right? And silver had all these impurities in it. So what they would do is put all this silver in a pot and put flames to it, right? Put the flames of life to it. And all of a sudden that silver would met down. And as that silver will begin to boil, which is called testing, he will test that silver and the impurities will rise to the top of that pot, right? And he will take his spoon and he will scoop it out and he will dump it out. All the impurities, he will dump it onto the ground. Then he'll repeat that process again. Continue putting those flames to that silver to cook that silver to get the impurities to rise up to the top. And he will scoop off the top and do it again. And at the very end, that person should be able to look into that pot and see a perfect reflection of himself with zero impurities. My friends, when God gives us tests, guess what he's doing? He's testing us. He is molding us into the image of Christ. Because when we are walking as Christ's image bearers, guess what we're doing? We're being salt and light to a world that has no hope. You guys see the world that we live in. We live in a world that has no hope. And as we carry Jesus' name and we're ambassadors for him, we begin to see people through his eyes. And we begin to burden for people that don't know who Jesus is. Because people are living and dying daily that don't know who Jesus is. What are we going to do, church? If we will truly get on fire for the kingdom of God, there will not be any empty seats in this chair. We will be going and reaching everybody across this nation, and we will truly make a kingdom impact. Because Buck said it before, are we the type of church that if we was not in this city, that people will say, where do those guys go? All right? Because we're going to love this city. We're not going to judge. We're going to love this city. And we want to see people impacted for the kingdom of God. That leads me to point number two. Focus on the promises, not explanations. Focus on the promises, not explanations. Verse 3, it says, The next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for fire for a burnt offering to set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further, and I want you to hang on to this verse right here, the end of verse 5. It says, we will worship there, and then we will come right back. I'm going to repeat that again see if you caught it. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. And for the record, I want to address something. I can only imagine how crude it makes God seem that God would tell Abraham to go and sacrifice your son, Right? To go and sacrifice your son. I mean, God literally did the impossible by resurrecting Sarah's dead womb. And this man is 90-something years old to give this man a baby, right? And then God promises that the messianic seed will come through, this, through the line of his son, right? He said to Abraham, be blessed, so therefore be a blessing to the nations. You hear about the Great Commission in Matthew 28. The Great Commission is right here. We see it right here. The Great Commission is given five times in the Old Testament. Jesus is giving a recommission in the New Testament. We see it right here. I'm blessing you, so therefore be a blessing to the nations, right? So Abraham knew that the messianic seed was going to come through his son. He knew that, right? But here's the deal. God told him to sacrifice his son. And what I love is you see in verse 3, what did it say? It says he got up early in the morning, all right? He didn't ask God, why me? God, why are you taking me through these tests? God, why are you using me? He didn't ask no questions. He obeyed. And when God calls us to do something in our life, are we asking questions, wishing that he would have called somebody else? Or are we saying, God, here am I, use me as your will, because I'm not my own. I'm a slave to you. Use me as you will. 
So I got back pain, so back pain, whatever you name it, which ended my college football career, back pain. God, if my back pain is for your kingdom, God, use it for your will. God, I know everything that happens is for my good and for your glory is how he works it. So God literally told Abraham to give up the one blessing in his life that he treasured the most, and that was his son. And I love his response. It says he obeyed immediately. No why, no why me. Abraham had faith. Imagine trying to even explain to Sarah, hey, man, where you going? Oh, I'm going up here to the mountain. I'm just going to kill Isaac, and I'll be right back. No. He didn't say nothing. He got up, and he left. And then we got into verse 5. We see something special, right? It says, we will worship there, and we will come right back. Look how profound this message is. He is holding on to the promise that God gave him that the messianic seed will come through him. He is holding on to that, right? God gave him no explanations, but he knew the power of God because he's seen what God did in, in Sarah's womb by resurrecting her dead womb. He's seen the power of God in his own life. So he's holding on to the last promise that God gave him, and he obeyed, right? He knew that at the end of the day, whether he killed his son, God was either going to resurrect him or God was going to provide on the way home, right? Church, faith does not demand explanations. Faith rests on God's promises. Faith does not demand explanations. It rests on God's promises. So what promises Abraham resting on? We knew it. I'm going to be a blessing through you to be a blessing to the nations. Genesis 21, 12 says, For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham knew that and he believed in it. And then you go on to verse 8, take it a step further and look what he says. So in verse 8, he's telling Isaac as they're taking up there, and Isaac looks over to him and is like, Man, Daddy, we're going to sacrifice something. You got wood and you got this knife. I don't know what we sacrifice. Where's his lamb at? You know? I only imagine the questions going through Isaac's head right now. And he tells his son, listen to this, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. God will provide it. He didn't know that God was going to provide. He just trusted in the promise that God gave him. He was going to walk that thing out knowing that God was going to provide for him, right? I don't need any explanation. I don't need no direction from you. Just tell me where to go, and I will go, God. And I know you will give me provisions along the way. I see another story in the New Testament when, when Jesus sends out the 72 disciples and said, do not take anything, right? He said, I'll, give, I, I'll take care of you. Do not give anything. See, Abraham was willing to follow God into the unknown. And understand that what Abraham didn't know, he didn't know how God would provide, but he knew that God would provide. And as you step into the unknown, or as we step into the unknown, as I step into the unknown, are we resting in God's promises? Because Abraham didn't ask any, any questions. And sometimes we got to stop asking God why and just have a little faith, church. Sometimes we got to stop asking him why. Why this? Why me? Why that? And just have a little faith. Because the Bible says if he takes care of the sparrows in the field, how much more he take care of us? Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds. They don't even plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than they are? They are things that God's calling us to, that God's placed around us for the purposes of his kingdom. God has uniquely designed us for his purposes. We have to get to a place where we are not our own. God, you paid the price for my sins on the cross. I am your slave now. I'm your humble, I'm your captive, Father God. And I do whatever you ask me to do because what you did for me on the cross. You conquered death and that was something that I can never do. And understand that when you're walking in his will and resting in his promises, he will provide. God said, I formed you. I knew you before the foundations of the earth. And he's designed us. We are his handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. What are those good works? God wants us to be a blessing to the nations, the same good works he wanted from Abraham, right? We are to be blessed and be a blessing to the nations. If I was a person and I had a cure for cancer and I didn't tell anybody, how cruel would I be to see people die daily? 
without this cure for cancer. And if I have the good news of Jesus Christ in me and I don't tell anybody about it, how bad of a person am I? With this good news, we ought to go tell everybody about it. But church, we got to understand this bubble, our faith has to leave this church. And we are to go and engage a broken world. And our faith will engage that broken world. Are we going to reach these people for the kingdom of God? I ask my youth this on a regular basis. I say, hey, if, you, if God answered every one of your prayers from the last week, how many of your, take a step further, how many of your enemies will come to faith in Christ? The people that we don't want to sit beside in church. How many of them will come to faith in Christ? If we don't follow God's commission, we are literally slapping God in the face and saying, God, I want to do life my own way. God calls every one of us to take part in his mission, and we all have a part. And the day we say, God, I want to live my own way, we are butting heads with the God of the universe who created us with a purpose. And you can only imagine how beautiful it is to see the, the, us walking in the design that God created us, because that's what he designed us for. Because he is hurting as he sees this broken world just like we do. Our mind, our body, our spirit all belong to the creator of the universe. And if he chooses to test us, so be it. Because we're going to know. I want you to see the encouragement of this. Because he is testing your faith. That means your, your faith must, must be worth testing, right? If he is testing your faith, it must be worth testing. But we do not need to desire the things of the world. But we need to understand we must desire the things of God. And that may be a thing we need to ask ourselves. We ain't being tested. Is my faith even worth being tested? Do I truly know who Jesus is? Has the Holy Spirit infected my heart? Has he changed the way I see things and give me a desire to reach people I never thought I could reach before? Has he done that to you? All right? Because when you're truly saved, God gives that Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is the one who changes us from within. And those tests that God gives, the Holy Spirit is going to work in and through them to mold us into the image of Christ. So how can we apply this to our life? Church, we can't rest on his promises if we don't know his promises. Hear me again. We cannot rest on his promises if we don't know his promises. Because the Bible is filled with promises to God and his people. And if we don't read about him, we can't follow him. It's impossible to say you know God if you're not reading his word. If Jesus is the word of God, we should be diving head first into the word of God and then applying it to our life. You know, how bad would I be? God gives us rules in the Bible. Of course, we got to follow, right? But they follow is before our good. If I put my son in my backyard without a fence in the backyard, I went back in the house. Do I love him? Right? I give him a boundary that he can only go so far past. That's why we have a fence. That We used to have a fence in the backyard. We pulled it up because my wife didn't like how it looked, but it's gone. But anyway, I had a fence before. I let my kids go in the backyard, and they could not go past that fence because I, God only knows if they ventured out into the road what would happen if they got hit by a car or anything like that, right? So God gives those boundaries because he wants us to follow him, and he knows the way life works best. That leads me to point number three. I want you to depend on God's provision. Depend on God's provision. Verse 9, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, he replied, here am I. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yahweh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided.
So we now made it to the part of the passage where we see Abraham coming to the end of his trial. And so far, he's passed this test, right? He asked no questions, and he obeyed God immediately. And God gave him a promise. And when he stepped into the unknown, he trusted in God's provision. So you want to know where Jesus is in this story? We said that everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Every story whispers his name. So where is Jesus in the story? All right. We go back up to verse 13. It says, Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the horns caught by his horns in a thicket. That's just Jesus in the story. So Isaac is us and Jesus is the ram, right? So he, he takes our place on the altar, the wrath of God that would have been down in that knife on his son Isaac. That's us on the altar, and God made a way for us not to experience his wrath by sending his son Jesus. That's where Jesus is in this story. And I love this story so much. So we see the parts, and Abraham is sitting there holding on to his promises, and he knew the power of God. So as that knife was getting to come, home, come down, if he would have killed his son, he already had in his mind that God was going to resurrect him from the dead, just like he resurrected Sarah's dead womb. And there are people in here right now that are battling with things, and God's telling you just come to me. He'll resurrect your dead hearts and take your hearts from a jail cell to a blooming garden. And I promise you because he did it in my life as well. And he wants those things for you. You are made in his image. He loves us. Understand when sin came into the world, it broke his heart. And it breaks his heart to see us living in this sinful world. But church, there's still work to be done. There are still more people that he wants to call his. And the beauty of it is that he uses us to make that thing happen. We have to come to a place where all we want is God. Nothing else we do. No other plans, no order anything. We just want him. And when we come to that place, we will experience his provision and the work of Jesus. Church, understand this right here. When we are committed to doing God's work in the world, we never have to worry about provision for our journey. And that next, this next verse, verse 11, is powerful. So we see Abraham in his obedience lay his son down the altar, pick up the knife, believe in the promise as God had just told him. And see something special. Abraham, Abraham, God called out to him. He says, here am I. And God, was, God had asked him to step into the unknown, and this man's trusting in God's promises. So he steps into the unknown, right? He wasn't no halfway in step. He wasn't half-stepping in the unknown. He was all the way in. And let me tell you something, church. In God's eyes, halfway in is all the way out. Hear me out. Halfway in is all the way out. God wants full surrender. I'm reminded of another place where I see people halfway in, the church of Laodicea in Revelation, all right? He said that church was lukewarm. And what he said about being lukewarm, he said, I will spit you out of my mouth. So we're either going to be on fire for God or we're going to be lukewarm. There's no in-between. There's no walking the line with God. You're either going to be all in, walking in the path of righteousness, or you're going to be on the other side of that line, doomed to spend eternity separated from Christ in hell. Anybody ever had lukewarm coffee? It's trash. As a police officer, I drink it all the time because I don't have time to warm it up, so I just chug it and go, and I want to throw up every time I drink it, right? That's what lukewarm coffee does to you. So imagine how much more a lukewarm Christian disappoints our God, right? God wants us all in with him. This man said that God sent his son down the cross for our sins. He wants all of us. In God's eyes, halfway in is all the way out. Church, he wants our full surrender. And as I preach through this sermon, I'm just reminded of a time when I had to make a sacrifice, as a Christian, we all come to that fork in the road. Well, we're going to depend on God. I'm going to continue trusting the way I want to go, right? We all know I left the sheriff's office and went to the VA for about a year. You know, my whole goal, by the time I was 20, I had a U.S. marshal tell me this when I was in college. He said, AJ, by the time you hit 28 years old, you need to be in the federal system. So I started aiming everything towards that. That came from man. That didn't come from God. Just want you to understand that. So I got to the VA. You know, I had made it. 
I'm my, my foot in the door in the federal system. Everybody said, go to the VA, get your foot in the door. I got my foot in the door, all right? Had my retirement set up. I was making good money. I was worried about a thing, all right? They was about to send me to all these training classes. I was about to rise through the levels of the GS federal pay scale. I was writing my own story. Understand that wasn't God's story. But then I finally got to that spot where I came to a fork in the road. You know, Buckhead announced me to be the youth pastor here, and I was at the VA at the time. And then it came to, I hit that fork in the road where they called us into the office and sent us an email and said, hey, we're going to eight-hour shifts on a 24-hour schedule. And for law enforcement, that sucks. It really does, especially if you've got a family. So that would have meant me working Tuesday through Saturday, possibly 4 p.m. to 12 a.m. I got two kids and a wife that I love dearly that I need to spend time with. I preached to kids week on a Wednesday night. That'll put me getting off at 12 o'clock on a Sunday morning and tired when I come to church. I begin to think through all these things. Me and Buck have even sat down and talked through some stuff. And he says, AJ, we probably gonna have to start thinking, finding a new youth pastor at this church. I had just got asked to be the chaplain of the football team. I had to call Coach McLean or call Spence Love and say, hey, I don't know what's about to happen. I said, they done changed our schedule. I don't know if I can be consistent to be there on Friday nights for the football game. And I began to wrestle with God, what are you calling me to? And I had this unsettling peace in my heart if I were to stay there because it was like I was taking money over God because I was worried about my career and trying to put myself in the place of God and say, this is what I want for my life. And the question came up, my will or your will? My will or your will? Is my life more characterized by money than following his will? Or do I want him to use my life as a vessel for his kingdom? You know, I begin to sit there in my bed and weigh out the options of God. What do I do? If I stay God, but Jesus. I even weigh losing my retirement, but Jesus. I had all these inner bowels of living this comfortable life where I didn't have to worry about anything. I could have had everything taken care of, but Jesus. And every time I got to that place and I thought about it, Jesus was 100 times better than anything that the VA or any money or any fatter paycheck could ever offer. So I came back to the sheriff's office. They had a school resource office spot open. I said, what better way could I leverage my life for the kingdom of God than to be around a bunch of kids that don't know who Jesus is? And God has been using me just that. As soon as I got back to the, to the football team, I did my first devotional with him, and I met a kid named Gage. Gage, he'll be, he'll, he knows who I'm, he knows I can mention his name. I like calling out people's names, but I did, sorry. Gage went on that team with the love of God, infected his heart, and began inviting everybody into this church, to our youth ministry. When we started last year at the COVID virus, we had five kids, literally five. At our end of school year bash, we had almost 50 kids show up. That's not anything of me. That's not nothing of myself. That's all from God. God's working in the lives of these kids and using them to make an impact for the kingdom of God. If I, I can just imagine if I would have stayed at the VA chasing my own path, God, would these kids be reached? Would my heart be on fire as it is? Now I'm empowering other young people to go out and share the mission of God and participate in the mission of God and say, hey, it's not about keeping all these blessings to yourself and spending all this stuff on us and being spiritually constipated, but no, but we are to use our mouth and spread the glory of God to everybody that we come in contact with. I say all that to say this. If I'm seeking God's purposes, I believe I get his provision. Church, if you are seeking God's promises, you will get his provision. People say, well, AJ, I don't have the words to say. God who created the foundation, he formed your mouth. He will give you the words to say. That's where his Holy Spirit is. Well, who are we dependent on? Or depend on my own self, or am I dependent from the word of God, the power of God through his Holy Spirit to use me as a willing vessel? So God, here am I. Use me as you will have fit. 
for some of us, what's our next step? Where is God moving in your life to take your next step? Because understand, God wants to use you. He wants to use all of us to be a blessing in Dublin. All of us. For some of you, that next step may believe may be to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time, to make that step to say yes to Jesus and allow him to fill your hearts for the first time. So you hear me talk about the good news of Jesus, and I'm closing right here so the worst team go ahead and come back up. So you hear me talk about the good news of Jesus, right? The gospel. But you got to understand the bad news to understand why the good news is so good. So here's the bad news. We are all born into sin. That means we don't like to learn how to sin. We're born in it with us, right? Sin's the big eye problem. I know sin by its middle letter I. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to be Lord of my life. And we all have this sin problem living within our hearts. You are born with it. So that means if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity separated from him in hell. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. God, who's rich in mercy, loved us so much that he would send his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. He made a way for us to come into a relationship through Jesus. And it's simple. Say yes to Jesus. People make it so hard. All you got to do is say yes. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to stop doing what you're doing. You say yes to Jesus and he do the cleaning up, all right? One thing we say here at this church, it's okay not to be okay, but God loves you way too much to leave you that way. If you come in here, no matter what chain you're dragging, understand my God loves you and my God desires a relationship with you. And he gives you that opportunity right now. So if you're in here today and you feel something stirring on your heart, understand that's not anything of what I'm saying, but that's God's Holy Spirit calling you to himself. God has a better plan for you. It's not meant to just come here. We're not born into this world just to enjoy a few good meals, a few good laughs and die. No, God created us with a purpose. And it's crazy when you all of a sudden start using your life and leveraging it for the mission of God, for the kingdom of God, that you will find fulfillment in your step that you won't find in anything else in this world. I literally just went to a place yesterday called Clarkston, Georgia, and they got 186 people there, people groups there, that don't know who Jesus is. Living in absolute filth. And it broke my heart this morning. I had so much information come through my eyes yesterday. I could not even function this morning on the way to church. The staff prayer had to pray over me because I could not figure out how to speak because my heart was so burdened for these people. People literally living in the woods with four kids. I asked a kid yesterday, a kid named Tito, and I'm going to pray over him at the end of the service. I said, Tito, how old are you, brother? He says, I'm five years old. He says, that's how many brothers and sisters you got? I understand this is a two-bedroom apartment. He said, I got 11 brothers and sisters that live in that house with me. Tito doesn't know who Jesus is. There's a world outside of this place, church, and God uses us. God does not use programs to reach the people. He uses us, and he, gifted, he, he has uniquely placed a gift in each of us with his Holy Spirit to go use it for the kingdom of God. There are people dying daily that don't know who Jesus is, and God wants to use us. So if you're here today and you don't know who Jesus is, we're giving you an opportunity to respond to that. Revelation 3.20 says, Look, I stand at the door and I knock, and if you hear my voice, open the door and I will come in. God is knocking on that door right now of your heart. He wants full in surrender for him. And I'm gonna encourage you at the very end, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, everybody bow your heads, eyes closed. If you do not know who Jesus is and you feel him working on your heart right now, would you raise your hand?
Revelation 3 says he's standing at the door and he's knocking. If you don't know who Jesus is, don't leave this place today without making a decision on who Jesus is. And for the rest of us, where is God calling you to step into the unknown? Where is he calling you to? Understand that he's going to be there with you. He says, even yet thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he'll be with you. When you walk through that conversation with your coworker, guess what? He is with you. When you're in your school system talking to your students, guess what? He is with you. He equips each of us for his purposes, to reach people for his kingdom. For some of us, maybe we need to take that next step today. So as we're down here at the altar and we're praying and doing this last worship song, I invite you to come down here and let's battle for this city at the altar. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just come to you right now to say thank you. God, as I preach this message, I see this little boy asking me to come back, God. God, would you reach him, God? Would you condition his heart, God? And when that message is preached to him, God, that he will say yes to you. God, to everybody in that city of Clarkson, Georgia, Father God, I pray that you would empower, raise up people in our church, God. Raise up people in this community, God, to burden for those people, God. God, you said in your, in your great commission to go and make disciples of the nations. They're living here in our backyard, God. It's like saying you send them here because you want them to reach, be reached just that much, Father God. Give us the eyes to see, God, and the ears to hear from you, God. God, where we're being distracted from, God, I pray that you let the distractions fall away, God. We can keep our eyes focused on you. God, there are a lot of people in here today that are battling with places where being comfortable and being obedient to your word, but God, I pray that they will, get, they will hurt, they will burden for your command and burden for your kingdom, God, more than anything this world could ever offer. Now, I understand, God, that when they come into your glory, God, when they're walking in line with you, God, you are giving them far more than their job, than a good retirement, than anything else could ever give you. God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that they will come down to the front, God, and talk to me, or talk to one of the leaders in this church, God, and seek how God, to, to, to seek prayer, God, for burdens, for addictions, for whatever you name it, God. Send them to us, God. God, I ask all these things in your precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.